Welcome to the T-Hood Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Leland. I'm Dragon. Yes, we have a, another uh, co-host today, listener. Uh, we're really happy to have Dragon here. Uh, Dragon actually works with me. Um, he has the pleasant distinction of having a desk that faces me. So, of course, he it's one of those desks he can raise so he stands, which then blocks him from my vision, which he really chooses to do because he doesn't want to look at me all day. Um, yeah. Yeah, he has the fun <laughs> job of eight hours a day being given a giant metal ring from me and being told source where to get this metal ring the size of a hair machine. Took him a week and we know to quote it <laughs> as of today. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm known as Big Chill amongst the plastics people. He is. In Plasticsville. Yes, the Big Chill. And uh, Dragon, uh, you're a nerd like the rest of us. So, that uh, is correct. That, tell us a little bit about your hobbies and stuff like that when it comes to okay well uh, I've always been into uh, graphic novels and art uh, I've always liked comic books ever since uh, probably like the early 90s ever since I could pick them up and buy them and um, as a young uh, you know preteen and teen and all that and then I, I like drawing a lot uh, I loved uh, Todd McFarlane's art and I always tried to fashion my art after his uh, especially in the spawn days and you know looking back now uh it was good at that time it was great and um all those great artists and C- chris claremont and uh todd mcfarlane all that uh, all those x-men stories i'm more of a marvel guy and i got into dc later on and then of course uh indies and uh image and independence and stuff like that so yeah nice mm-hmm. and we're having you on here too because uh how you and I first kind of started connecting was over B movies. Yep. Uh, you you just pull these movies out of your ass that I didn't even know ever existed. <laughs> like maybe they played in some Romanian like rated R cinema for one week, and it's like you know the lust of Dracula, and you'll be like, "Hey, Moby, watch this." <laughs> Hammer horror all the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you loaded me up with some pretty wicked movies. A uh, few we'll talk about in the uh, segment today. Little. Little preview there, listener. She wants the B. She wants the B. That's right. That's the name of the segment. We gave it away. But what do you think, Leland? Dive into the banter segment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, my understanding is that despite Marty's absence, you actually have a rant for the banter segment. Uh, I do have a rant. I mean, I can go first if you want. I would like you to start us off with the energy of a rant. Okay. So uh, I just want to rant about uh, Electronic Arts Studio, the garbage company that it is. Uh, and their latest, uh, soon to be released game, a uh, week after this episode drops, actually, Anthem. Mm. And, uh, very recently, uh, they had a, an open demo weekend, which anybody could have played. But before that, they had what, uh, they called a VIP demo. And this was, uh, strictly av- available to consumers that pre-ordered the game and, you know, some other, I'm sure some like media people that they gave out codes to or whatever. That's important because they were selling that as a feature for the pre-order. So, hey, if you pre-order this, you get early access to this game, basically. And this demo uh, functioned more like a beta Mm. filled with plenty of glitches, like infinite load screens people were were coming Um, like I enemies for that game. I, I know it looks yeah. really cool, and it still does look interesting. 
but like enemies disappearing as you're fighting them and like the the hub world uh i've heard was really not performing well at all on a number of machines despite how powerful they were um they were having server issues despite knowing the exact number of maximum players they possibly could have had on this vip demo because it was very (laughs) strict like they knew exactly how many people they needed to maximum like fit like fucking ridiculous oh jeez so so it really seems like this this game could use like another like two months of development at least um but they're pushing for a february 22nd their ea is concerned about you know getting the their profit of this game into their first quarter because they're you know the stockholders and uh a lot of their games have been quote unquote underperforming according to their higher ups like uh mass effect andromeda did not perform as well as they expected uh what else have i written down here uh battlefield 5 definitely underperformed very very poorly i've been a long time about a battlefield fan ever since battlefield 2 in 2005 uh, my first PC I had, uh, that was basically the reason why I bought a PC. So, yeah, big fan of Battlefield. And I haven't played 5 yet, but I played 1. And mm-hmm. uh, that was great. And, uh, yeah, Battlefield 5, uh, you know, I- I'd like to try it, but yeah. Well, Battlefield Battlefield 1 um, was actually, like, their most the most recent and the biggest success in recent history of the Yeah, franchise. that was Battlefield weird. 1 World was War a I. boom of a game. The single yeah. player was amazing. I, yeah. I liked it. And I don't know what happened. Um, I, you know, this I don't want to go off in a tangent. I won't, but maybe we should have like a condescending, condescending controversy one time. Are companies forgetting how to make AAA games like well, legitimately? So this is what's leading me. Um, I mentioned before we started recording to you, Moby, that I had a kind of a topic idea for a video game variety show. That like, are some of these front leading companies in this industry? Are they just getting too big to actually yeah. be successful? And again, successful in quotations because, like, uh, boy, I think I wrote down a figure for Andromeda. Mass Effect Andromeda made like 111 million bucks or whatever from their sales, but still underperformed for the higher ups at EA are deciding, well, this isn't meeting our profit margins. Well, it's all about those microtransactions. Uh, yeah. Basically, uh, you want to model, everybody wants to model their business off of Grand Theft Auto Online, which to this day makes like billions of dollars per year. So. Right. And that's, so that's another thing that they're doing. They're keeping their pricing models for their in-game transactions a little hush-hush. Uh, there was a screenshot leaked showing um, some uh, mech skins going for 20 bucks for a skin for a mech oh, wow like fucking like fallout 76 level garbage pricing like this is fucking horrendous this is insane and i don't know if you're familiar with anthem at all moby no i'm not so basically the game it's uh i'm not sure if it's like open world sandbox or whatever but you essentially you play you're like iron man you you get it you're wearing you're in a suit of armor um you get to customize it uh different types you know for different builds essentially amounting to like different classes kind of thing right it's almost like titanfall but with more of an emphasis on the mechs i think i'm pretty sure that's the idea yeah it's third person as opposed to first person like titanfall um what's a really interesting aspect of this game is the verticality of it because your mech can fly so you were fighting in three dimensions x y and z axis that you can utilize in your combat which is really what uh, I think they're depending on setting this game apart. This third-person action RPG, I don't know, RPG elements, uh, 
try to set it apart. And it's also being developed by Bioware, or the people behind Mass Effect. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same studio that worked on the original trilogy. That was not the same studio that did Andromeda. So I don't know if that's where that failing came for Mass Effect Andromeda. But they're just like underhanded. And, and like, so they, they, of course, Microtrash actions with their whole Battlefront 2 debacle, Star Wars Battlefront 2 debacle. I don't, I don't know why anybody is touching this shit with a 10 foot fucking pole, honestly. <laughs> I can't believe they got the, uh, they got enough pre orders, enough people interested in pre orders to crash their servers during a, <laughs> no, wow. like, I don't understand this. Um, it, does, it makes it doesn't make any sense. So they're saying their microtransactions are just going to be cosmetic. Just you can buy new skins. You know, you're just gonna not paying paying a win. There's not going to be in game effects from these transactions. But you're still they're still betting on selling appearances for a game where one of its major seller points itself is customizability of your character. It's mm-hmm. it's stupid. It makes no sense. And I'm not going to be surprised if this anthem severely underperforms and they end up closing down Bioware Studios. I mean, the EA has a history of acquiring and then closing studios. Right. Because they deem the, those studios aren't making enough profit for them. I mean, I got a whole fucking list here. See, that that's it. That, the, the sole focus is on profit, not on quality yeah. anymore. Yeah. And that's... What's a good example of a studio that they've closed down? Uh, just one that I, I try to have uh, having trouble remembering. Sure, a big one is Visceral Games. Ah, there we go. Yeah, guys yeah. behind the Dead Space Dead trilogy. Space. Yeah, amazing. Dead Space Three. Ten out of ten. Yeah. Dead, yeah, oh yeah, original Dead Space is amazing. Yeah. Dead Space Jeez. Two, you know, a little worse for wear, but still a great game. But then it come by the time Dead Space Three hit, which was in the beginning of that micro this microtransaction trend that kind of started mm. this. At, at this peak, this evolution, for lack of a better term, for a lot for of potential and uh, they're in good mythos and stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then Dead Space Three tanked, and uh, it was actually only recently that they pulled the plug on Visceral Games. It was 2017, but yeah, uh, yeah, rough, 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 <clears throat> rough. EA, the perennial bane. It seems they always fuck shit up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Their just... various games over decades. I mean. We could talk for a whole segment on just what they shit they pulled with the Battlefront 2. Just like EA, enormous ass. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know, but but so like they're they're just they're hurting. They have no they have no flagships. They they're solely depending on their sports titles right now. And so they are hurting for yeah. a good first party yeah title because uh recently we just actually i think today or yesterday they announced like well disney announced that they have no plans to produce or make any uh star wars titles so we're going to be looking to ea for all of our yeah because they have all all the fucking rights so exactly and that was another thing with battlefront too disney doesn't give a shit about this type this industry i think they actually did have a hand in stepping in with what ea was doing with their property with star wars battlefront 2 and at that point, <laughs> with this massive conglomerate over them saying, hey, tighten up, they they took out some of this bullshit pay-to-play stuff, reduced some of the prices in their in-game store, and blah, blah, blah. And then they switched to solely cosmetic in-game purchases. But right. Disney doesn't give a shit. So that's the problem, right? I think yeah, Disney... I, I played the campaign mode in Battlefront 2, and I, I mean... You know, it had so much potential. Like every, there was a lot of hype building up to it, and then it kind of fell flat, which was unfortunate. But uh, hmm. yeah, yeah, no, it is unfortunate. I mean, like this goes back to like even uh, 
a couple decades ago, Pandemic Studios, EA acquired, they developed the original Star Wars Battlefront games, Battlefront, which uh, in the like the PlayStation Two era, and those games were awesome. Those yeah. were great games, and that's that's a, another example of a studio that they acquired and shut down. Ugh, I don't know. It just it just drives me nuts. And then fucking Bethesda and all this Fallout seventy six shit too. It's like no, I don't know what these companies are doing or what they think they're doing. It makes no sense. Yeah, that uh, that Fallout was a big kick in the nuts. What a sure. clusterfuck. Yeah, that was a big kick in the nuts. That's unfortunate. Ugh. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> mini rant over. Yeah. Um, my banter as usual is small, and uh, it is. I guess it's a little bit of a talking point. So Latino Review via Jim Hill Media is saying that Chris Evans is going to become a contracted Marvel director in the very near future. The idea is to start him by directing some TV episodes, and he will then graduate to films. And I'm wondering, is is that a slam dunk? Like, yeah, of course, that makes sense, because he's always said he wants to be a director. Or... And this is my mistake. I should have written down the name of the one film he has made. I know he made one film and it bombed so far. So he oh, really? is a little, yeah. So, I mean, he's a completely unproven director. And Marvel's going to, like, shoehorn him in. But, I mean, he seems like a good guy. He also seems like a guy that has a lot of information and knowledge about the MCU. I mean, he's been tied with Marvel since the beginning. So, do you, I wonder if he'll uh, direct uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume Three because uh, Taika Waititi walked away from that and said, you know, it's kind of like uh, I, I forget what his expression was, like wearing somebody else's slippers yeah. or something like that. So, well, because the problem with Guardians of the Galaxy now that Gunn's gone is Gunn established the whole tone. Yeah. So without him, um, I think it's really hard because. I know why they would want YTD, because mm-hmm. he introduced the other comedy series to Marvel, or comedy film. Right. Very well received Thor Ragnarok. But it's not like he can just then copy the comedy that James Gunn had. Yeah, like Chris Evans, uh, just in his experience, and just his acting experience, like his tone of a film, I, I, I'd have a hard time kind of um, just thinking of what that might be, right? Like what he would create. I'm thinking I, the Dark World. I oh yeah. fuck <laughs> oh. fuck you guys. All right, fuck you. <laughs> fuck those who use. Okay, Chris Evans can do no wrong. Okay, look what I'm picturing. I would I would be fully on board with a Chris Evans directed Captain America movie with with Bucky taking up the helm oh, of Cap. Okay. I think that would be okay. awesome. I think yes. that would be great. I think actually, <clears throat> I think I that think would genius. be the best suited position for oh him. Oh my goodness. He would know exactly what yes, to do. Yes, he would. Things. Yes, of course he would. Absolutely. And I think he he, ha- so he would have a real uh, have a real handle on Winter Soldier as a character Yes, and the progression <clears throat> that that character has gone through. He's, they're so closely tied. I think that just makes so much perfect sense. It does. And uh he he'd be competing with I believe the Russos did uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah. So yeah. that that and is Civil War. Uh, some stiff competition. So. The Russos have had enough of a chance. It is so good for the Russos to do. Sure, they're good, but it's like, come on. Get Chris Evans to do his own Captain Okay, Captain. okay. So that, that leads me to another question then. So if if not that, and we they want to keep their Cap Enterprise with the Russos or whatever they decide to do, then in this next Phase 4 of Marvel, we're going to be, are we going to be getting some newer, lesser-known 
spotlighted heroes, and then those are the ones that they're going to be given, like you say, Moby, uh, an untested director in Chris Evans to like make a, another hero part of their flagship, like because yeah. you know, like that's well, risky. That's risky as fuck. It is risky. It is risky. I think in that case they would have um like a supervising director, a veteran right. to watch him, right. um to mentor him as they would say to just basically make sure he doesn't fuck up like all the risky directors did for star wars i mean because at best they've been controversial well okay look at least at least there is a an overarching plan yes at least there have been to date anyways like christ knows what they're going to do for phase four I mean, I don't know. Well, hopefully, uh, maybe they can expand upon after the contracts are up with the Netflix uh, Netflix universe. Uh, it's going to be two years before they can produce anything that the Netflix did with the Punisher and Daredevil. So uh, maybe that's the direction they might go. Maybe they can use some of those characters because there's a high demand for Daredevil. That's for sure. So yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I think there's just a high demand for Punisher as well too. A lot of people responded very positively to John Bernthal's Punisher. Season one was ten out of 10, season one sure. was awesome. Season two, as you know, is season, season two sucked. It's a typical sequel, right? So. Yes, <laughs> season two. I don't know. They lost their mojo for season two. Has hmm. Bernthal played the Punisher previously to this iteration? No, no, no. Because I know him, and I know some cool shit he's been in. For some uh, he he played a prominent role in Fury. Yes, yeah, um, that's right. He's very good at brooding. He, yeah, he is yes. good at brooding. I mean, he up until season two of Walking Dead, he played one of the main characters in that. And um, he's good at kicking ass, too. So yes, very much, which is important for the Punisher. So, Chris Evans, he's going to stay in the family. He's going to direct stuff. I like Let's it. Hope he does good. Yeah, I like it, and I like your idea more. This is rare where I like... Gush over one of your ideas, Leland, but in this case, I shall. <laughs> Genius, babe. It's, it's gold, it's Jerry. Gold, it's, Jerry. Gold, it's, Jerry. Gold. it's gold, It's gold. Um, Dragon. Dragon. Do you have anything for uh, banter? Uh, for banter, well, just recently, um, just been, you know, like diving into uh, a lot of retro stuff as usual. Like, that's kind of my my forte. Like, I like anything 80s. So, nice. basically... Uh, yeah, you know, just um, getting my hands on a lot of old B-movies, uh, a lot of stuff Roger Corman did, and just stuff from like the 70s and 80s and 60s that I've never seen before, and just read about constantly, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty interesting to see like Dick Miller, who just recently passed away, rest in peace, uh, I just seen a movie of his called A Bucket of Blood, where he's an art, oh, he's a, a cafe uh, busboy. But on his in his side job, he uh, does sculptures, and but in his sculptures, what Roger Corman had him do is he kills people and he encapsulates them in clay, and which is pretty cool. And then yeah, uh, he cool. wins yeah. over a very uh, I think I've seen that movie. Very nice girl, and um, yeah, I've just been watching things like that. It's been great. Man, Roger um, Corman's a good well to to draw water from, man. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. a lot of stuff I haven't seen, and uh, yeah, it's been, and that's that's about it, pretty much. Uh, yeah, looking forward to 2019. There's a couple of uh, good games that I'm looking forward to, um, like Days Gone and Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which is like a Tenchu essentially. Uh, remake on the PS4, which would be great, and I want to get into uh, Ace Combat 4, which is uh, Ace Combat: Skies Unknown story that just came out. 
And, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of things I want to get into, but uh, yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Well, speaking of video games. Let's do it. Let's let's do do it. it. Let's dive in. All right. For the Video Game Variety Show, what did we call this? RE2 Make, which is also what a lot of people on the internet are calling the remake of Resident Evil 2. Oh, Uh, man. Yeah. Been a long time coming. Oh, we love this game. You know, (laughs) Dragon is still a virgin to the remake. And when he gets his shot with... (laughs) With RE2 make, he's going to love it. I can't wait till he comes into me on work on like a Monday and he's like, Hey, Moby, Moby, I played it. I played it. So, and I'll right. Like, so, original, original title released in 1998. Jeez, man. That was 30 years I know. ago. 30? That was 20 years ago. 20 years. 30 years ago. <laughs> wait, I'm not that old. The times are flying. That was, that was 20, 20 years ago. <laughs> Fuck, man. Crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, just right from the outset, that intro scene where, uh, you bust into the gun store and you have that really terrible dialogue <laughs> from that guy. We were mimicking that at work <laughs> with his big shotgun. Hey, darling. <laughs> oh, you're safe in here. Absolute classic. Absolute. <laughs> and we've been waiting for a remake for a long time. So yeah. we, we have. and But remakes are so risky. Hmm. We're, they're so risky. I'm going on a tangent. You want to get more history, right? Or did you no, no, that? that's cool. That, no, that's cool. Um, well, I mean, I'll jump in here. So... Resident Evil 2 from 1998 was extremely well-received. It was kind of like an Empire Strikes Back of uh, sequels, especially for survival horror, which was relatively new, kind of popularized, not pioneered, but popularized by Resident Evil, the original, which was 96. And Resident Evil 2 was very, very innovative in a few ways, which have carried over to the uh, RE2 make. Um it had two main storylines that had some crossing over, but more importantly, you could affect the difficulty of the various storylines by taking some powerful weapons, and you could load up a particular storyline or leave them in lockers. Right. And in the next story, that character could pick them up. Right. That, and was, it, called, that was called the zapping system. The zapping right. system. Weird name. It, it doesn't really I, fit. I wonder if doing. that is just from like a, a translation. Like a Japanese, a weird Japanese translation. Like North American yeah. uh, Resident Evil to Outbreak or uh, Biohazard. Bio- biohazard. Biohazard. Sorry, yeah, Biohazard. Yeah. No, that's cool. Resident <laughs> Evil. It still would have been a great name. It would have. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been iconic. Um, RE2 is a great game. I remember as a young lad, I think I was 18, um, saving up quite a bit of money from picking blueberries or some shit like that. So I could go on Craigslist and get a GameCube port of Resident Evil 2, which was one of the most expensive GameCube ports at the time. I still have it. In fact, I was playing it earlier this year, somehow living under a rock that RE2 was coming out, <laughs> which actually prepared me more. Um, it prepared for, you more for your Goo Goo Baby mode? For my Goo Goo Baby mode, because <laughs> I always play an easy dragon. I'm sorry, I play an easy. Hey, you know what? That's okay. You know, you got to get ready and uh, get, get through the story <laughs> and, uh, you know, hit it hard the next time, right? Because right, it's not right. like... uh, yeah, hit it hard the next time. <laughs> not play assistant mode again. But uh, let's dive in. Um, Leland, maybe if you want to give an overview of your experience with the game. Okay, so I never played the original. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, renting it for the N64 way back Ooh. in the day. And firing up for, the, for those first five minutes uh, with my little brother, and we were too fucking scared to continue. <laughs> no, it was a oh fuck zombies, 
click system off. Take this back. Let's get another game. So that's wow. my, the extent of my experience with the original. Wow. Okay. So none of my critiques are going to be derived uh, very much, at least at, from a direct comparison of the two. Um, so that will obviously differ from your viewpoint, I'm sure, Moby, right? And uh, Dragon, of course, neglects to come prepared for the episode. So, <laughs> by buying a $80 video game specifically. Oh, I had the double disc version back in uh, 1998. Ah, there you go. And, uh, That's and, actually, thank you for that. Remind me, a nice little yeah. tidbit of trivia yeah. is that double disc was an entire accident. Mm-hmm. They did not plan originally in their budget and their price point and their profit margin uh, right? to have that game as shipped as a double disc. But what happened was uh, the the sound files ended up being way too large to fit onto a single disc uh, oh. for the rest for the whole game. Interesting. So, yeah, which is funny. And that thankfully didn't, like, ruin this game and or the franchise. <laughs> like, <laughs> shit. That's was... huge. Like, uh, that impacts so much on production costs. I mean, you, you literally have to have a case twice the size, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. that's nuts. I was among the Gen Xers that were uh, just looking forward to shooting cops, zombie cops, and uh, rolling doobies on our double-disc cases. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the 90s. <laughs> That's awesome. You're only a few years older than me, and you're Gen X? <laughs> well, oh, I was among the Gen Xers. So you're among them. Yeah. Uh, you transcend generations. <laughs> you just float in and out. Yes. Man, oh man, yeah. So, so um, you know, away are the static cams of old. Now, in this one, of course, uh, adopting a more uh, over-the-shoulder third-person view, uh, a la RE4. Nice. And I, I know we'll touch on it again, but still, very much they've mixed the gameplay of Resident Evil Four, uh, phenomenal game, and the atmosphere and and like dread. Uh, invoked and, in Resident Evil 7. Yes, absolutely. Back to survival horror, essentially. Yes, entirely, and entirely. It's, you know, it's interesting for me. I played the fuck out of Resident Evil 4, as did Leland and Marty. God rest his soul. Spectral testicles, Walt and That's right. <laughs> and, I mean, I still remember how I, it's flashbulb memory. I remember the moment I woke up the day Resident Evil 4 came out, I had a pre-order. I like was like a vampire coming out of his coffin. I remember I was like, oh my God, Resident Evil 4. Drove all the way out to Coquitlam, didn't have university that day. Mind you, Leland knows I skipped 60% of university anyway. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> drinking. Um, anyways, and, you know, it was fun, but it wasn't scary. Sure. And... You know, we did our readathons where we played it to the point that none of us will probably ever play it again because we're so bored. But okay, oh no, you I'll, were, I'll comment on that, that later when we get. <laughs> but okay, into but you're so right. Talking Resident about Evil remakes. Seven, I loved, and I always tell you and Marty, I, I love the Resident Evil series, but I only love three games. I love remake, I love Resident Evil Seven, I love re two make, and but my point is here is that somehow when you combine. Some parts of Resident Evil 4, like the over-the-shoulder thing, it can actually be scary when yes. you combine it with the right atmosphere. Yes. I never thought it could be. Right. Color me wrong. Well, no, no, I 100% agree. And I think that, so basically, very boiled down generic as fuck comparison, but the difference between uh, RE4 and RE2 is uh, the use of lighting. 
That's what it boils down to. Literally, okay. the, the most intense parts in this game come from when you're in the cop shop exploring with your flashlight. This right. very, very, very narrow field of view. Um, it's fucking freaky as shit, man. It, it is. Now, I mean, let's let's be honest here. The zombies in RE2 make, I think, are many times scarier than Ganados in whatever light. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I just never found Ganados. Is it uh, emulating seven? Like, I, I, it's very claustrophobic, and I, I think seven. So, I, you know, I would say if it leans more towards an influence, I think it leans more towards seven than four. Mm-hmm. If you look at the inventory system yeah. and the models, because I think it uses the same engine, the RE engine that which they spent. Yes, a lot it, of money. yes, they did make the they 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 did reuse that engine. So, are you yeah. saying there's a RE two remake VR potentially? Yeah, actually, you know what? That I think that would be a potential. Given this game hit a home run, I think they could make money doing that. Um, one of the things I joke about with Leland is how Mr. X, who's a slow-moving tyrant in a trench coat, is so much scarier than Dr. Salazar, a chainsaw-wielding, yeah. potato-sack-wearing guy from Resident Evil 4. Yeah. So what does that say? Yeah. Um, so, although but, yeah. I, so I, I will say, though... Uh, that for I know I know we're not talking about Resident Evil Four, but of course this plays into the overall franchise. And how are we not supposed to mention it? But like the first instance of fighting Doctor Salazar with that chainsaw in Resident Evil Four is freaky as shit. Yeah, man. actually that is true. And you hear that revving. Now I will definitely uh, um, give you the point on like it still does not compare, but it it that's pretty much one of the few instances in Resident Evil Four that manages to evoke those feelings of dread that almost the entirety of Resident Evil 2 does. And, oh, man, it's just, like, yeah, this game is just so good. Okay, so we are kind of flying off the handle. I, I myself, I did kind of make a quick cons and pros list. Okay. Um, I don't know. Okay, great. So I'm going to start with the cons because I want to end on a heavy note, a nice note. Now, originally playing this game, I had a longer list of cons, but I boiled them down to four. Okay, I boiled them down to two main cons and two... Almost cons. Okay. Two of almost cons of which that I have shifted my view after many hours and many playthroughs of this game. So are we going to be diving into story details? Are we going to throw up a spoiler warning here? I think we have to because um, I have some spoiler warnings. Okay. Full spoilers then yeah. for this game, which is fine with me. Um, okay. So cons. My top, top con is that the story in this game is weak. The story is the weakest part of this game. And I understand that it is basically, it's, you know, they have so much area to work with and they still want to make it, uh, you know, recognizable from the original Resident Evil 2. But, like, the story is weak. There's not much of it. Um, It's basically inconsequential. I would say if you don't know the Resident Evil story like I did, you're actually blowing my mind right now because I've played RE2 so many times. I just like assume the story playing through re2 me but now when i'm thinking of it i'm like yeah there's barely anything there yeah no there's nothing there's, there's nothing, nothing there you just um, you, uh, the story is escaping the police precinct basically right right so you 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 it very loosely touches on the overarching story that the original resident evil 2 pioneered for the franchise right because it built on a lot of what resident evil 1 did um and took a lot of uh, the aspects of Resident Evil One, like the the two, the dual character, um, they, you know, uh, midway through their production or early on in the production, they decided to 
um, adopt the two-player and also um, make one of those characters uh, biologically relationed to a character from the first one, a la Claire. So, yeah, so Resident Evil 1 laid a lot of groundwork and then they improved on a lot of those aspects for Resident Evil 2 while also broadening the scope of the entire franchise. So, of course, for me, Resident Evil 4 was the first Resident Evil game that I had ever played. Wow. Yeah. So now going back into Resident Evil 2, like I have no context. Um, so unfortunately for me, that is a that's a that's a bad point, right? That's that's a that's a con for me. Interesting. And then my second full-on con is the two sections, very brief, but you play as yes. Ada Wong in Leon's campaign and oh, wow. Sherry Birkin uh, in Claire's campaign. Unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Oh. Unnecessary. Okay. Ah, so frustrating. Ada's section is garbage. It's brutal. It's brutal. I... And it's in the only section of the game that was lackluster for me, which I guess there's only really three sections. And it's probably 100% linear. You have to play it. Oh, very much. You have to play it. She gets a cool tool, which you can hack electronic devices, but that's fun for, like, the very first puzzle that you do with it and then, like, nothing else. Not much of a challenge. There's a part, again, full spoilers, where Mr. X gets the drop on her, and I, I think it's extraordinarily difficult the first time to not take serious serious damage from him in the scene so i so for that part i'm kind of tangenting but i as you were walking in i literally just finished that part on hardcore mode and i did manage to get through it uh unscathed i think i purposely i took a bite from a zombie um kudos but um, (laughs) uh, which on hardcore of course reduced me from fine all the way to red warning and near death because uh, basically hardcore mode is don't get hit twice mode (laughs) like you can survive at full health you can survive one hit that's it right okay the second hit you're toast Uh, so yeah I managed oh I found a flashbang thank god so I (laughs) have that was like the only way to do that to get around Mr. X without him knocking you back right You, you, you can flashbang him but had I used that on the zombie bite to get away from the zombie, and thankfully, I, obviously, I knew what was coming, so I like saved that sub weapon. Right. Was it in an obvious spot, or was it kind of? Um, okay, so for some reason, Ada doesn't get a flashlight, so oh. her section is incredibly dark, oh, yes. uh, which is frustrating. Say no more. No flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. I just. I don't know. It's just they're just unnecessary. Completely <laughs> very, unnecessary. Very unnecessary. And I haven't played uh, Sherry's yet, but. I didn't like hers even that much in the original, so I'm sure I'm going to hate it in the RE2 make. So what is your favorite of the two, uh, Chris or Claire, uh, like, story-wise? Oh, you mean Leon or... Or Leon and Claire. Oh, it's Leon, hands down. Yeah, 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 it's Leon. He's, um... I I like his weapons better. Weapons better. He's basically the main character of the franchise by this point, in number of games played and impact, and you can just... I mean, I'm not done Claire's segment, I'm done half of it, but... I feel like more effort was put on Leon somehow. It's interesting. Um, I mean, you had sent me that tweet of like 71% of Resident Evil 2 players played Leon first and they're chauvinistic assholes or whatever the fuck tweet that was. But like, okay, one, the game lists Leon and then it lists Claire. So like the game wants you to play Leon first. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Traditionally, Leon is how most people start, even the old game. Oh, okay. Again, we're tangenting. I'm going to finish my my cons list. Okay, so two... Two, uh, I have two more cons that um, that are not 100% cons. I understand the choices they made. But, of course, I know Moby will agree with me, but the 
uh, RNG in the damage dealt, and I have read online damage taken. Oh, weirdly. Um, but specifically, some zombies, if you get a bad RNG roll, can literally take ten like handgun bullets to the head. Yeah. To take down, it's brutal sometimes. It it is. It's it is insane because. There are times where you will take the time to deliver a perfectly placed shot or two, and you're not getting rewarded for that um, right. because it, it ends up taking. You're right. I've seen it take. Now, me and Goo Goo Baby mode, I think six or seven is the max okay. zombies take into the head. But you know what? It brings you out of the game when you yes. knock a zombie down after a shot or two with two headshots, and he's laying there, and you know he's going to get back up. So you give him another one or two headshots. He falls down again. His head still hasn't exploded. Yeah. So he gets back up. Every time that occurred, that took me out of the game. Because I'm sitting there just waiting yep. for a zombie to get back yeah. up. So, so a big thing, even on some of the load screens, it this game will tell you, if you're having trouble with an enemy, just run. So this game encourages you to not be combative uh, and not engage or engage as little as possible one, both in the resource allocation and resource management that is part as a huge part of this game, which I love, by the way. Um, but uh, eventually you hit a point where Mr. X is chasing you and stalking you. He can hear you. Um, the game does employ like a, a weird like pseudo stealth mode where you can uh, creep past some of the stronger enemies like the lickers and even zombies. Like sometimes you can just walk past zombies and they won't notice you from a certain distance. So at a certain point, Mr. X is stalking you, and you can't fight him. He's he's unkillable. So just one question: uh, Is there an OG Resident Evil Two mode where you only have three axes to shoot high, medium, and low? No, no, <laughs> that'd be fun. But no. Thank God, no. Yeah. Um, so so okay. So and the problem with the running from the enemies is this game. Again, another revolution at the time of the original, the backtracking in this game. So the original of this game and the remake employ this backtracking system that generally in video games is uh, just laziness on the developer's part and not fun. But this game, every backtrack that you do, it's to like uh, possibly another puzzle that you need to solve. Uh, you're always going to get more gear potentially so the backtracking is handled very eloquently in this game but the back the because it encourages you to not engage with these enemies it makes that backtracking so much more difficult so much more difficult when mr x is also stalking you when he is literally 15 feet behind you following you through doors and wherever the hell you go in this station and you run into a horde of zombies that you neglected to kill three hours ago in this hallway (laughs) Like, it makes no sense to me. Well, back in the 90s, before there was uh, online play, uh, that was, you know, a great uh, addition to any game. <laughs> Just a horde? <laughs> Just have the mindless horde? Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting what Leland's talking about there, though. Um, Dragon. You will... <laughs> Dragon. You will, uh, you will experience that when you play. Um because Mr. X is, I I mean, as a character and his, his AI, I think it's great. I mean, it's very intimidating. He's got footsteps of multiple volumes that you can hear. Oh, and he's constantly yeah. stalking you. And you can tell when he's really damn close. But you're right. 
he chases you into zombies. There's no real quick way to beat him. Even once you got the shoddy or something, you still have to aim well. And he'll just he'll just tear you to pieces. Yep. And it is annoying. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's an interesting point, Leland. I never thought of that, but yeah. Right. Uh, so that's what grades me. It's just like, oh, just run then and conserve your ammo. Well, I'm going to be using that ammo in three hours, where it's going to even be even more difficult for myself. Right. Um, and the game does. The game has a sub a sub weapon system. You can pick up knives and flashbangs and grenades. And if you're lucky enough to have a knife, you could potentially knock a zombie to the ground and finish it off with a knife. But of course, the knives uh, degrade. They are not permanent. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating sometimes, um, and it's counterintuitive to what this game is trying to offer to you, I feel. It's just, I, I don't know, it just grates me sometimes. And the last point I wanted to make for cons is this really, really bugged me, um, but I also understand from game development side why it's done this way, but just the lack of, the lack of uniqueness to the different playthroughs. Uh, Leon versus Claire. They utilize nine, I would say 95% of the same environments. Either of them get some, you know, specific areas where the other person does not get access to. Um, again, that plays into a lot of kind of some puzzle, more puzzly elements. And I don't know, it just really frustrates me when you are experiencing them running into each other in cutscenes at only three points in this game. At the very beginning, about halfway... Well, no, about a couple hours in, depending on how long your playthrough is. And then at the very end. And it's just not cohesive. It really pisses... It really just annoys me. That's what it, <laughs> that's what it is. It just annoys me. And, of course, they, they can offer you these completely different games. Um, but, like, I feel like they could have just done more. Uh, like, this was a criticism of the original... Um, where they lack the technology and the disk space and et cetera, et cetera, uh, and development time and development resources, blah, 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 to to where, where it just made sense and was just the, the easiest and best route for the success of this game to go this route. But I just feel like they could have done more. And playing, playing, so so you if you pick Leon first, you play like Claire, the game calls it like a second run. A lot of people call it like Claire B versus Claire A. If you yeah, yeah. so that's I think that's what the terminology that we'll use if we need to refer to it either Leon A or Claire A or et cetera. And then in, in the B modes, I don't know. Like I I enjoy the B modes and I can get into that later if I'll let you guys maybe chime in. I've been talking for a long time, but like that's that's the that is the majority of my con list. I just that that incohesive story just drives me fucking nuts. It's like you're playing alternate universes that somehow they touch in some some parts like it's weird it's just weird i just don't like it uh it, it again it takes me out of the experience and it just drives me nuts hmm. well i guess i'll go with my criticisms i have less um i only have two and uh, they're pretty minor I, I guess i have a third that's meh um so the meh one that i'm like i don't hate it but it was slightly annoying i did not like the sewer portion i felt that the sewer portion was clearly less fun than both the police precinct and nest, which is the third. Um, that's an opinion. Okay. What about um, uh, in contrast to the '90s version of the sewer portion? The '90s portion of the sewers were much quicker and much more linear. Yeah. These sewers are much larger. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna put a pin in that. I'll get back to that too. But, but please, I, I'll get into the second criticism, which is in those sewers. 
There are, I call them gene monsters. I don't know if that's the real name in the sewer water. Yeah. And they, oh, they're the worst part of the game for me. The single worst part. This is my biggest criticism. They're so hard for me to avoid. And if they grab you, they are like a 100% poison. Not a chance of poison. They, they will poison you. Oh, yeah. And they take so much ammo if you want to fight them that it's not worth it. And there's so many of them too in the sewers. You're right. They are they are designed to be unavoidable. Like you literally can't get past, you you can't run from them. Um, but how do you have the ammo to fight them? Like even so, Google this this is fun, this is funny. It's like the I've, Kayabashi Maru of the Resident Evil pretty universe. much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, the it's totally <laughs> so it's so funny though. I I never had a problem with these until Leon B playthrough, which which at this point is my fourth go of this game my fourth playthrough of this game because i played leon a claire b claire a leon b um i didn't get grabbed until at all until leon b i didn't get poisoned at all until leon b wow. so i'm kicking around i'm collecting these blue herbs i'm like what the fuck am i using these blue herbs for <laughs> and suddenly a giant sewer vomit yeah and i just never had a problem taking them down i don't know it's did you snipe them like would you just kill them before you ran into them or yeah uh, well um sometimes you can see them breaking on the surface so you can tell where they are but other times you can ambush them but um there's one section at the end of the sewers when you're going to get those uh king and queen chess pieces where on the way back you you will have to fight at least two of them Mm -hmm. um no, maximum two of them, minimum one of them. And by then, if you grab the flamethrower, the flamethrower is really good on them. And I don't know, I just never got, I never got hit. They even spit these little babies into the water yeah, that if you if you stay too far back from them, never got hit by one of those things. Wow, uh, just weird. That's just, I just had no problem with them at all. Well, it's good that uh, the flamethrower takes them out because I I love that flamethrower. You didn't get the flamethrower. Like <laughs> I knew where it was. I was too lazy to get it, and I paid for it way later in the game. Oh no. <laughs> Like, yeah. ridiculously yeah. paid for it. Get the flamethrower when you do it. Okay. Done deal. Get it. Um, get it. Got it. Good. Okay. Uh, so, my final criticism is, I guess it's a little weird. I felt that the supporting cast voice acting was much better than the main cast voice acting. Like, hmm. I thought Chief Irons and... Marvin uh, Birkins, Marvin was very Marvin good. Marvin was great, yeah. Ada was decent. Maybe uh, they were intentionally hamming it up to uh, emphasize the nineties. Yeah, at some point, of it. Well, okay, it's, if they were trying to do that as a throwback, then they didn't do it well enough to make it very clear that it was a throwback. Yeah. Um, no, they didn't. Like, I think the Leon actor was trying. I think so too. I think it, honestly, I don't. Again, I, I not having played the original. I don't know how much of the original like he's, he's worse than the that they he's ripped. Bad. He's it, worse than the original. It's right, scarring. <laughs> It'll scar. From you your forever. recollection, where was it literally like almost word for word? They were just kind of copying these scripts. Did it get almost a complete overhaul? No, like, it, got, it got an overhaul. Okay. In our e teammate, it got an overhaul. And like, I mean, the voice acting in Resident Evil Two is comically abysmal. Sure, and it is better in RE to make. However, Leon is a clear step back from his voice acting in RE4, where he's clearly a professional, cynical kind of agent, which was really cool to see that. And you don't feel that uh, the RE2 make voice acting was not conducive of his, like, this greenhorn Leon Kennedy? Actually, I'm on the fence on that. In fact, 
for them to go so far back after for a game that's 15 years after Resident Evil 4. I know, 15 years. (laughs) For them to go back to a Leon that's kind of a greenhorn, I think that maybe was purposeful. Right, right, right. So... Um, what I've, I just to interject a little more, what That's I really okay, liked, man. um, just like his character model, when he holds his pistol, he holds it up. Yes. Um, just like he does in RE4. Yeah, that is cool. That's nice. As a, you know, in the original, of course, he held it down at his side when it wasn't readied and just like little stuff. They put so much little things into this game. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Um, so why don't you hit up your on some pros? pros? Okay. Um, okay. So I think, uh, my biggest pro. Yeah, uh, my two biggest pros, Mr. X. Oh, yes. so the show. Oh, so good. He, did. he made this game. Oh man. He made this game. Excellent. M- less is more. Less is yes. more. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, that is the perfect perfect summation of of Mr. X. Like He he doesn't even look gross. He's a guy wearing a trench coat yeah. and a fedora. But <laughs> they just somehow with between sound effects and his size yeah. and his Emoting, he's just, terror- he's just uh, ominous, right? He, he's he is very ominous. ominous. <laughs> he scares the living fuck out of you, and it doesn't get old. Like, you never stop being afraid of him. No. Like, even on subsequent playthroughs, uh, at the part where basically you spawn him into the environment, like, you know it's coming, you're like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. I do not want to progress. I will stay right here for as long as I can and do fuck this all before Mr. X comes. Yeah, this I am done. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so Mr. X, and then... I just the inventory management uh, in this game just like like pushed buttons in my brain like so like it frustrated me it intrigued me it uh, it, it it added to the survival element horror, horror um, or survival horror elements uh, just I just love the inventory management just yep. the 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 lack of space that you always have no matter how many extra spaces you gain. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I I really liked the inventory, how it it was very reminiscent of Resident Evil 7, which was like a nostalgia boost to me. I don't know why that's so important, but it was. I noticed it right away, and I liked it. Back to Mr. X just for a second there. I thought it's awesome how places he would not traditionally attack you, like the main room of the police precinct. Unless was, I think he does it once in a scripted event, but like he can basically follow you everywhere. Yeah, there's a there's few select spaces where he won't uh, anywhere where there's a save uh, other than the main section the of the of the cop shop, and um, the the clock tower room. He doesn't follow you mm-hmm. into there. Would either. you say the liquors and the crows are they harder to hit in this game or easier due to the new? There are no crows. No, no crows. crows. No crows. Interesting. Uh, but the liquors are hard as fuck. Yeah, and scary. Liquors are tough. Uh, they're really tough. Um, Claire's got a good good t- ability to take him out with her grenade launcher. Leon has a significantly harder time. It's difficult for me to really efficiently kill him with Leon. Yeah, it sucks. You're better off just sneaking past them because uh, yeah, because you actually can sneak past them. If you, if you don't get too close to them, you're actually able to just kind of walk right past them. Grenade launcher, that's just cheating. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, it's a main part of Claire's game, to be honest. And even in remake in the original it was a major part of jill's game so i don't know hmm. i don't think uh claire doesn't get a shoddy does no she? so her grenade launcher is, is her shotgun. Is basically her shoddy yeah yep. and including uh gunpowder mixing that i really fun. enjoyed too yes uh, because it's choice well, right like, well, how do you want to fight 
That's like, exactly right. If you burn those first gunpowders you find before getting oh, the, before finding any high quality gunpowder, because, <laughs> okay, because so they pulled so noted. they pulled this from Resident <laughs> Evil Three, and they and put it into this game. Mm. Um, you can make different types of ammo depending on what gunpowder you mix, right? So you find different types of gunpowder, different varying sizes of gunpowder. Yep. And the very my first playthrough, I of course ki- trying to kill every zombie I come across, um, like quickly mixed a bunch of 9mm handgun ammo and really had no gunpowder to make future shotgun shells, right. which are way more valuable. You played yourself, Leland. <laughs> That's he right. Did. I totally did. did. In fact, it was him and Marty over Facebook <laughs> suggesting that, you know, you want to switch to the shoddy and you can get it to the point where that's all that you're using. And it can be such an efficient weapon, especially against zombies. That changed my first playthrough. I immediately, I was starting to do what you did, Leland. Yeah. But then I switched to saving my gunpowders for shotgun shells, particularly mixing large regular gunpowder with the yellow for like eight shells. It's all, about, yeah. it's all about the boomstick, ladies and gentlemen. It is about the boomstick. It 100%, it 100% <laughs> it is. is. The boomstick. So what's great about... what's Okay. Uh, Continue. Okay, okay. So I'm going to get into some other things then. So, and this is going to be the fact that I'm going to come back to that uh, ammo thing. So in your A playthroughs, what this game does... Of course, this is going to be the first experience that you have with this game, despite whether you play as Leon or Claire first, whether or not you're a misogynist or not, according to the, <laughs> according to the internet. Um, Moby. No. <laughs> <laughs> but again, so Leon A. So what I loved about Leon A is uh, the A playthroughs, the game takes the, the form of a slow build. Yes. And it just it just increases and ramps in intensity, in the feeling of dread, in the feeling of hopelessness that you have. Very nice. Not just in, of course, the enemies that you face. Yes, that they ramp up. Um, of course, by the time you hit the sewers, which is like the third, only the third area, the second of three areas, really, um, when you're fighting those little baby Birkins, as you like to call them. Uh, it's it just like, I don't know, it just, it the game starts very loose. It's like, it's like, it's like it's a traditional. Hunt. Well, in a way, it's, to, to me, Leon's story is the traditional survival horror, the traditional okay. way that Resident Evil started. Okay. And I know where you're going with this. Right. So, so, like, the game is hugging you, and as you get closer and closer to the end, the, that tight that hug is getting tighter and tighter until it's squeezing the breath out of you, and you have to finish the game or you die from this hug. That's what happens. And, and yes, conversely, the, the B playthroughs, you so so the B playthroughs like start like in media res. You're thrown into the middle of this, right? Because essentially, because it, it kind of glosses through the first cutscene. Um, you do get a little bit of a playthrough uh, at the very beginning of the game, which is uh, pretty different to the beginning of the original. That was one of the main things I think they changed a lot of. Was it not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then so you're like you're thrown into this intensity that is full throttle intensity and doesn't let up the whole way through. So you don't get this, you don't get the build because you've already played through the build. You don't need to get it again. You were just given a new challenge with different weapons because uh, both characters have a completely different weapon set, which really does change gameplay. And uh, I don't know. I, so so that's why like those two different stories that vary um, is a pro and a con for me because I really understand and like the, the variance in gameplay of the B compared to the A. But I just still am conflicted at the 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 lack of cohesion between the overall story because you are technically playing two sides of this night. 
<laughs> of this yes. one night in Raccoon in Raccoon City. Raccoon. Raccoon. So 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 back to so the environments in the A. So as as you play through this A the A game side and it ramps the game ramps up the length of these environments uh shortens. It kind of decreases as the intensity is ramping up. So, like, by the time you get to the end game, you're at full intensity, but you spend the least amount of time there. So, I think that is a amazing balancing. Maybe balancing is the incorrect word, but if you understand what I'm saying, you, you, you still maintain the same feeling throughout the entire game because you have these two lines that eventually are intersecting somewhere and hitting both points of this graph. So, you're ending up in the same area. It's the same spot. Uh, as as a, as experiencing this 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 game, I think. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that somebody's getting a nasty email after this podcast if we don't get a, a crows expansion pack. Maybe some birds. Maybe some microtransactions. You can pay five bucks for a flock of birds. <laughs> yeah, you add a, You get the deluxe addiction. You, you get uh, Canuck the crow with like the little red. Ah, he's holding a knife. Canuck. Yeah, he is. He's like boss crow. <laughs> Look, the dogs are enough in this game. Oh my god, I hate those dogs. Oh, they're so annoying. I was drunk fighting him, and I was so happy. <laughs> they're so, uh, they're so well, okay, scary. At least they maintain the dogs, so that's a good. Uh, they, that's good. Oh, dogs are brutal, man. <laughs> they did. They, um, yeah, they maintain some pretty pretty cool stuff. It's weird. I find the game is really good for screenshots. Like, I share a lot of screenshots with you. I think you can make some pretty fun screenshots with that game. Yeah, well, this game just looks phenomenal. Oh, it is. It and, like, as so you're gorgeous. as you're shooting these zombies in the face with your crappy derringing bullet of a, of a Powerful pistol. Week. Powerful week. Like, pieces of their faces are flying oh, off from yeah. the impact. Like, it's Yeah, that gorgeous. damage is really cool. Oh, those Japanese engines, I mean, they just always give Unreal uh, run for their money, like Hideo Kojima and... All that stuff. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. Just, that's true. Uh, I don't know what it is, but they put a lot into this. It's clearly it, so, it's so. it's clearly a game where Capcom knew that if they failed it, fans would revolt and blah blah blah. All this bad press, so they didn't. I mean, we're giving pros and cons, but I know that Leland and I love this game to death, and we're going to say it's an amazing remake. And yeah. so yeah, ten I mean, out of ten or nine out of ten. What do you I think? reserve, but I do have that. I got a score. I give it a score. score. Mm-hmm. Um, my last point that I want to make, um, Leland, uh, Nest, I felt was an upgrade over the original end segment, kind of techno industrial segment of uh, Resident Evil Two. Um, the new Nest was really well done. I mm-hmm. felt for the most part. I like how part of the power was out. I liked how you have that one tool that has several different wave amplifiers. Yeah. And I hated adjusting it, but I was so happy when I did. It's just like, get it done. Yeah. Is, um, uh, quick question. Is yeah. there a Revelations uh, type of survival mode or anything like that that you've seen? Or- uh, I've only done one playthrough, so okay. I can't speak to that. Okay. Uh, there's extra content currently. Uh, you There's like a... You, you play as Hunk. Okay, excellent. Uh, and you have yeah. to basically get part of the story, like, you know, his tactical team that came into Nest and tried to uh, get Birkin and the G-Virus and et cetera, which you see some points in, in the main story in, in, the, in the main game. Um, yeah, you play him like trying to basically the sole survivor, it's called, and he's escaping. And they, I only tried it once and it was difficult. And so they load his character up 
with you got all the weapons, you got all the ammo, and you just got to get out as fast as you can. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's uh, some extra extra stuff like that. And lots of like different skins and stuff, and apparently a lot of different weapons you can unlock too. I've seen people with a bunch of all weird like unlocked like super weapons. No idea how did to you, get those. Did you buy the deluxe edition by any chance? No. No. Okay, no. you get an original pistol from Remake, which is why I wanted it. Ooh. And so it's pretty cool. You get it as both in the A and B games. Um, I immediately switch both characters to this gun. I don't know if it's much better. It's not worse. What, what is that one called? Samurai Edge. Ah, okay. Is it it is worse. Cannon? It is slightly worse. Than, it is slightly weaker than the regular 9mm. Oh. Yes. Is yeah. it a hand cannon or a... Uh... No, it's a, it's like a 9mm Beretta with a removed slide so okay. that you see the barrel all the way through. It's uh, it's a famous pistol. It's in Remake. Um, I think it might even be in the original Resident Evil, but don't quote me on that. Very cool. It's definitely in Remake. Is an unlockable. Um, yeah, so, oh, one other point. I like Plant 43 being a boss in this. That is new. And okay. that is not in the original RE2. And Plant 42, I always thought, was such a cool boss idea, how you have to develop a poison, but in a much different way than in RE2 make to kill Plant 42. Okay. So now you have to kill, it's officially named Plant 43. You also have to mix... A chemical, a herbicide, but in a very different way. I thought that was a a nice touch for continuity's sake. That's cool. And I love how when you first see Plant Forty Three, there's like broken plexiglass, and he's got like this yeah, like flower totally, thing yeah. sucking a scientist, like yeah. pushing it against <laughs> the window. It's awesome. Yeah, you're very a John Carpenter. Very good. Uh, Ness George was, Romero. Uh, uh, yeah, Ness was really great <laughs> level design. It really was. It is really good level design. It was a good way um, to, to end things. Honestly, the the design on the police station is awesome oh, too. Fucking phenomenal. And it does not. It's surprising how short of a time it takes you to literally just memorize it. Yes. Like you don't need to look at that map. I don't need to look at that map anymore to know what I got to do and where I got to go. And of course, I am currently on my like fifth playthrough of this game. So take that with a grain of salt. But like, you really like like it's it's I don't, it's not simplistic. It's it's like. It makes sense, right? It just makes sense. And even some of the um, the in-game environments, like you you see what is blocking your path, and then you very easily recognize the other side of that blockage by the time you get there. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Man, I wish this shit wasn't here because I would have been out of here five hours ago. This does make me want to throw in one, like, like audible last moment small criticism for the game. Um I was not very impressed with the soundtrack, and I actually listened to it today at work while I was working, the entire RE2 make soundtrack, and there really wasn't any track that stuck out to me as good, and I think another problem is the track deviates too far, even though they're remixes from the original tracks, and there's some pretty good melodies in RE2. Now... One thing the deluxe edition, which I have adds, is that you can add the original sounds right. to RE2 Make. And I like not just music, like gun clicking sounds and stuff. Really? It's really awesome. That's cool. It really works. That's cool. And so, unfortunately, I've got to give the new sound a fail in comparison oh, to the Interesting. Old. What about you know, the voice of Lieutenant Mar- Marvin Branaga? Oh, <laughs> like legit, you're laughing? You're laughing? He's one of the best voice actors in yes, the game. Yes. He and. and, and like he has an expanded role that I don't want to spoil. Oh my gosh. Spoils territory. Interest. Um, how do I put this? 
they know the emotional impact of the character. Yes. They know how to of use course. that character more yeah. than in the original. Interesting. You didn't get far enough to, I don't think, to see what Brana was in the original. But he wasn't, he didn't die that far in. No. No, I have no idea what he played in the original. He, um, he basically has one scene where he's alive. You come back one scene later, he's a zombie. He's he essentially sets the tone of just one point and sets the tone of the whole game. But no, he's he's a very good supporting character and well well voice acting. Well, and you see, and that also like, yeah, okay. And here I was shitting on the story. Like, that's your interaction with him. Like, as far as far as story progression, is like some of the best progression that you make, and the and it makes so much sense. Right. And he really is a phenomenal supporting character. Like he he literally supports you. <laughs> like. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm ready yeah, to no, play this really game good. now. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I mean, uh, you know, you estimators, when you get your gold doubloons dropped on you, <laughs> you can go buy it. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I can, um, we can literally talk about this all fucking night, right? But, but we don't want to. So let's, I, let's move on to some know. of our other points here. Um, all I've got is my rating, so you just run with Oh, okay. Well, I mean, we want to talk about, like, remakes in general quickly? Um. Yeah, I actually think that's a good idea. Okay, because when I think of remake, I think of uh, basically HD versions. Hmm. Like, that's what first immediately comes to mind. Um, Sony does that oodles and oodles. Like, I mean, even just when I had my PS3, I had, like, uh, remastered Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. And, you know, remastered God of War series. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and all these different HD remasters, which literally they don't do anything to it except put some polish on it, right? Mm-hmm. Those yeah, are barely... Shadow of Colossus as an yeah. example. It's, a, it's almost like third remaster or something like that. So. He did it with the Zeldas, too, <laughs> yeah. um, a number of the 3D Zeldas, and they're not... But it's a nice way of introducing it to a new generation, so that's... Uh, that's always yeah, good. no, and I, I definitely agree that they have their place in the market, but, like... I, those aren't like remakes, right? Like, those aren't remakes. So I don't know. I've never played a remake before then. Like I never played like a true remake then. Like I, again, I never played. You never a played remake. remake yeah, I never remake. played my favorite game of all time. Right. So that should say what you think. Right. So if think. this is what uh, can be offered, and there is like a growing demand for some remakes of other games, I don't really know what. Off the top of my head, I can't really. Nothing jumps to mind of something I'd be begging Give us for. Code, level seven. Give Bring us me. Code Veronica. <laughs> I was thinking that Code Veronica could do with a remake. It's just so outlandish. The the villain and everything is just yeah, it's, yeah, it's Steve a... Burns, uh, <laughs> Wesker. But uh, Wesker. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it's going to be interesting to see the Resident Evil or Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, wow. Um, right. They changed the whole combat system right. and releasing it in pieces. You want to talk about a remake with a lot on it. Right. You fuck up Final Fantasy yeah. VII. Buy Square Enix. You know, have fun in the desert for five years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So. Okay, well, um, okay, so what do you. Resident Evil 8 comes out next year. Hypothetical situation. RE8. Drop in next January. What do you want to see from it? What do you want the gameplay to be? Do you want the gameplay to be RE2 make? I want slow burn Leon or slow burn, I guess I should say, a, a segment for it. Like, 
a little bit faster than what Resident Evil 7 was, which was an anomaly. I mean, because for the first part, you're just fighting a family, and then there's only one kind of enemy, the molded. Sure, I mean, RE7 like had so, its own pro- its own pacing problems, it's own, but... It's only an issue. Which we, we've spoken um, about before. I want the pacing of the Leon or Claire A segments in the new game. I want... Um, I want to keep the heavy Resident Evil 7 influence in the interface. I really think they've hit gold there. Um, I want more consistent hit points and RNG. Mm-hmm. Um, I so think- now does that is that going to require a different type of enemy then? Uh, no. I think you could go zombie. And it would be cool if you go back like actually fighting Umbrella somewhere. But... What I would go is less ammo, but more consistent um, hitting if you're if you're aiming correctly. So like each zombie is going to take maybe three headshots max, but you've got significantly less ammo even on easy, and you've got to really aim your shots, or it's like fuck, reload the save. Basically. I would say uh, maybe anticipate what uh, has performed recently. So uh, RE2 okay. is definitely performing sales wise. So uh, maybe anticipate that type of uh, gameplay. Well, and the good thing is companies tend to do that. If they hit gold with RE2 make, which they have, they're going to allow its influence a lot into Resident Evil 8. I mean, that's just what yeah. they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've seen that claustrophobia in 7, and that uh, definitely hit as well, uh, critically anyway. So, yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, so you are happy with third person, are we? I very surprisingly am happy with third person. If they go back to first, I'd be okay with it, but I... I don't mind that third person. Yeah, I, I think I prefer the third. Um, I could not really posit why. Like honestly, <laughs> like I couldn't. I could not express why. I don't know. Familiarity, maybe. Uh, maybe, but I mean, I grew up on first-person shooters. Like I'm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's like franchise familiarity. Then, yeah, totally. Mm. Um, so okay, so you just want. Give me every single gameplay aspect RE2 did and give me a new story. I want, like I said, I want want more damage from less ammo. I want slow pacing. That's number one for me is slow burn pacing. Yeah. I want very creepy environments. Like I like the morgue in this game. I liked, uh, you know, that uh, the sleeping cells and nest. I thought that was cool. More, uh, More linear sandbox. Uh, seven. I'm not sure it. Um, you know, yeah, seven was quite linear. Yeah. I I like linear. Mm-hmm. I like okay. it as if it's a haunted house ride that you're basically walking through at your own pace. Gotcha. Um, that's just my opinion, though. Okay. I mean, I just I just love the mix of in RE2 make. Really, um, you there was so much things that you could skip, uh, like even un, unwittingly skip, but also like if you are familiar with gameplay, which of course. You know, to get those higher ranks at the end of every game, depending on your time uh, and depending on the mode, may uh, you get a certain ranking from, I don't know how low it goes, F, I don't know, up to S+. plus. I'll tell you when I'm done my clip. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that's also like a weird, like, it's like almost like, the, it's like, it's a meta. It's like a weird meta. It's a meta meta within you a single player experience like you are developing this meta with the game because you get familiar with literally where the where where zombies are i mean i've seen playthroughs where people are like um doing like hardcore mode and getting s plus ranks which is finishing in like two and a half hours which is insane or whatever it is and 
you know, they're like, okay, as you're going through, you got to kill this zombie because when you come back here, it's going to be a real pain in the ass, but we can skip this zombie and this zombie and that zombie. Like, like they, it's like a, it's a fine-tuned engine that they've, they boiled it down to and it's like a fucking science it's i think uh, i think ea needs to take note and uh, reawaken um you know visceral and, and uh deep space oh i want <laughs> another dead space oh my god okay if they re if they oh give me a, a dead space oh my god if they remake me dead space i could die happy after playing that game yeah i could literally die in my sleep the the day after finishing that game and be perfectly content with how I've lived my terrible horrible life. Can you life. will me your video game console? <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, EA needs to take note though. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, <laughs> I would love a Dead Space remake. Oh my god. And they don't even have to do anything to it. That game still looks great. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Um, you want to give it a score? Yeah. And I actually thought really long and hard about this. Um, and I would give it... Uh, I didn't know if we wanted to go letter scores or... or Number scores, I assume number out of 10. Uh, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Um, I think there are a couple valid criticisms of it, like for most games. Right. But, man, taken for what it is, for what it had to, the ascendancy it had to get to be a good remake of a classic beloved game, it did it, in my opinion. It yeah. No, I. this is a 9 out of 10 for me as well. That's yeah. good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, it had a lot to live up to, that's for sure. So it is yeah, fuck. an unequivocal uh, recommendation to anybody that likes this kind of game or is interested in survival horror. Um, I you absolutely do not need to have played remake Resident Evil One to understand Re Two. No, I know you. They don't. don't. They don't care at all about really educating you on it. No. So, um, so that's a good thing. So you can no training wheels. There. That's good to know. <laughs> no training wheels. No, no training wheels. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you at all enjoyed and or played RE4 or and or RE7, you'll like this game. Ethan! Bottom line. <laughs> bottom, bottom. All right. All right. Uh, time for movie musings. <laughs> she wants the B. Yeah. Now, this segment is awesome because this is the whole segment that I want to drag and in for. Yes, sir. This is the inspiration of having him on the show. And uh, Dragon, you want to take it away? You yeah, want to talk yeah, top sure. 10? Or I can't wait to share. Uh, basically... Um, I've always been into uh, B-movies and film and anything to do with film. Uh, I, I just appreciate anything to do with uh, creativity and just cinematography, uh, the music of it, um, you know, uh, and just anything to do with uh, just stuff that is not A-level, you know, like I like uh, John Carpenter and Roger Corman and anything even from Back to the 50s to Ed Wood and stuff like that it's it's just all something to be appreciated of uh, it seems like a fan fans of film making film that's kind of right, what it seems right, to right. be like. sure so uh, to, just to yeah. quickly interrupt you for yeah. those uninitiated yeah. basically b movie is defined as like a low budget commercial movie that's basically like the short form and uh, as popularized uh, during the golden age of hollywood um uh along with double features it was the b movie was always the the second movie in the double feature that's correct. um <laughs> all like generally uh lower budget uh shorter run time lesser known actors and you're probably going to uh, see a boob. promoted and uh you're probably going <laughs> to see a boob <laughs> that's it listener you hunt down these dvds you get to see 70s boob 
<laughs> right, so 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 yeah, a B movie is an akin to like the B side of a record puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I'll save this for later. <laughs> okay, but anyways. Dragon. You guys done giggling about boobs? <laughs> no, we do not work on Monday. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll uh, definitely um, I'll share with you like my top ten list. Uh, I didn't want to go to the obvious choices of like Escape from New York and all the uh, kind of A levels of these B level movie makers uh, film. <laughs> the top tier um, Bs. Exactly. I thought you were dead, Snake. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but the 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 giving tree of all b movies would be uh, evil dead 1 and oh, 2 yes. obviously you know and uh it's it just sam raimi and just his frenetic style of filming and just bruce campbell's hamminess and everything about it just amazing so. absolutely right so okay so you consider army of darkness a b movie as well oh of course yeah definitely i mean it was a big studio film it had yeah. uh, a release a theatrical release and everything like that that's why i kind of emphasize evil dead one and two uh, right, right right sure but uh army of darkness is considered a b movie it, it is you know among b movie enthusiasts so yeah and so my second would be uh, like uh, Maximum Overdrive, just because <laughs> this is this is my personal favorite. You know, it, this is my list. Really, so I'm just gonna Ooh. give you my my list. It's interesting. So and I briefly touched on Maximum Overdrive in past episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very first directorial <laughs> debut for Stephen King himself, based off a Stephen King novel. Very very high on cocaine during the whole. Yep, film. there you go. That's the anecdote <laughs> for this movie. Yeah. I believe I believe Stephen King has has remarked. Uh, yeah, he co-wrote and directed this movie. Uh, his co-director being cocaine. So yes. <laughs> and uh, just Emilio Estevez, his time to shine. You know, he, he just with that rocket. Oh, you know what though? That fucking Green Goblin semi gave me nightmares as a kid. Holy fuck, that thing was scary. Do you know what Charlie Sheen in B movie is like a match made in heaven? It's like yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, and Emilio Estevez's brother, uh, just the same, you know. So, uh, yeah. So, and uh, third, um, here we go. So, I've introduced uh, Moby to this recently. Oh, it's, yes. Uh, the Wraith, oh. and I was I was really just hoping to share with him a few B movies that I appreciate, and just uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on the, this? The Wraith. Okay, so one thing we're doing is we're we're picking out a few that we want to pick on a little deeper of your top ten, and uh, the Wraith is the first of mine that I wanted to pick on. That movie is so cool. It's it's about like street road pirates. So basically street racers that force like preppy kids to race for their cars or else they kill them. And then they take their cars. And I, I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but Charlie Sheen is the Wraith. And that's not a spoiler, but he is so funny and quotable in like a classic Charlie Sheen way where he's like dead panning. Like at one point to his brother, he's like, his brother's like, Hey bro, where are you going? He's like, yeah, that's just the point. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so he's, smooth. He's just so smooth. Chill. And he's like with his girlfriend, I came back for you. Consider it a second chance. And that's like how he talks the whole Like picture his up. role in Major Leagues, but amplified by 10. Consider him baked to the point that it's coming out of his ears. Where he's like that chill there. <laughs> that's right, man. And I'm just, it's motorcycle. I do motorcycle, I do a Dodge Charger. I just, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, and so uh, so my next one would be uh, Vanishing Point. So this is one that I appreciate. It's it's more of like an artsy B film, a B movie story. Uh, 
And so it's just a guy just trying to race across the desert and trying to, he's high on speed, of course. (laughs) 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 And he's just trying to, he's just trying to cash in his challenger for a decent paycheck and uh, just make his drop successfully. So I love how you can make a movie. Like a movie film, a feature-length movie on that kind of premise. Dude's high on speed and wants to trade in his car. Let's make a movie. And spoiler alert, uh, if you you know couldn't already think of how it end, but it doesn't end very well for him at all. So, <laughs> vanishing a point. <laughs> yeah, definitely an emphasis on vanishing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's another one. And, wow, that's uh, a very arty, artsy title too, because like vanishing point. And when you're like kind of drawing, right, you kind of have vanishing point as this focal point to as draw distance kind of thing. I can just picture him like driving into this desert towards this vanishing point on the horizon. Oh, that's his goal. <laughs> like he, his goal is to just make it to San Francisco by 3 a.m. And, uh, you know, whether he makes it or not, that's for you to to take a look at, you know, and um it just it doesn't turn out good. Hour and a half hour. Hour and a half later, your answer. Did he make it by three in San Francisco? And, Stay uh, tuned. <laughs> and okay, so uh, we'll go on to my next uh, selection. So that would be, we'll just go uh, assault pre- assault on precinct thirteenth. Uh, oh. So basically, this was one of John Carpenter's entry level films. Uh, it was probably his second film, John Carpenter, and he, of course, everything he does, he just does the music, the directing, everything aside from acting in the film, which I, I think he did do in a one or two of them. But uh, yeah, uh, Moby, what were your thoughts on this? Oh, Assault on Precinct 13 was awesome. I mean... Speaking of remakes. But it's like, yeah, but the original is so dark. It's so 70s gritty. And uh, listener... Honestly, if you do one thing from the show, go to YouTube and YouTube Assault on Precinct 13 uh, Vanilla... Vanilla Twist. Vanilla Twist. That's it. Assault on Precinct 13 Vanilla Twist. Trust us, listener. You will not be disappointed. I'll link that in the show notes. (laughs) And you're going to see what 70s Grid is all about. (laughs) Well, and what's very interesting is the rest of the movie... It comes off as a zombie movie to me, even though then, you know, the enemies are not zombies who are attacking the precinct, but it's that kind of hold the castle mm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, honestly, it, it shocked me in how gritty it was. It's almost like you couldn't release a movie like that today. It was just so dark on a mini spot. It was just basically a dark film to the very end. And, you know, cops holding out this precinct in an all-out gun battle it was awesome i recommend it <laughs> but uh and uh it's it's like i mean john will eat your heart out like pretty much it's slow motion just shotgun blasts and it's it's probably what he got most of a lot of his material from and a lot of directors like that and uh, hong kong action films it's just it's crazy what john carpenter did there so it's great and yeah, so uh, move on to my next one. So Night of the Creeps, uh, along the same lines of like, say, a movie like Reanimator. Um, basically, this had Jason Lively, Tom Atkins. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tom Atkins, but this guy, uh, he's just a B-movie star. Like he's he's been in uh, The Fog for John Carpenter and various movies. And the dialogue in this movie is just, it, it's savage. Like it's... <laughs> to say the least like 
he he shows up uh, to this crime scene. Um, well, it's essentially it's a zombie movie. Starts off in the fifties. A comet drops, and uh, these worms bust out. And it's basically like the original for say the movie The Pulse or Slither. Uh, and so he shows up on the scene, Tom Atkins, and he's just the B movie star. And his tagline is "Thrill me." <laughs> Thrill me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> really? And so he shows up to the first crime scene where the two zombies were, say, they were like excavated or taken away from the scene. Like they're just missing from the crime scene. And he shows up and he says, I suppose Rip Van Winkle would be the other body. Where is it? And the officer says, uh, the other body isn't here, sir. And Detective Cameron, John, uh, Tom Atkins says, what did he have, a date? What do you mean it isn't here? And he says, you better not be fucking with me or I'm going to play Poo Patrol with your nightstick. <laughs> Jesus. That is classic. I'm putting that on the emergency must-watch list. So, it is an emergency. Okay, so, yeah, that is definitely... <laughs> Night of the Creeps, ladies and gentlemen. Please check it out. <laughs> classic cinema. The Oscar winners of an ancient <laughs> And Jason Lively, the father, uh, the dad of uh, uh, Blake Lively. Uh, really? Yeah. And, you know, he was coming off his uh, high run in Euro uh, European Vacation National Lampoons mm. with Chevy Chase, where he did really good. And uh, so he had his own movie there. His starring role is really good. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we'll move on to my next one. Uh, we'll just go with Dust Till Dawn, of course. Uh, basically... You know, Robert Rodriguez is uh, uh, kind of delved back into B-movie territory after Desperado. And, of course, he had the help of Quentin Tarantino and George Clooney. So uh, this was an amazing film. I'm sure uh, both of you have, might have input on this. So, yeah, It's high on my watch list, but I actually haven't seen it yet. And I know this is you're, you're losing respect for me. No, no, so, not at all. You know, we all I never had it. any respect for you. So it's I know you didn't, Leland. That's clear from all the other episodes. <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> he is, yes, Drogan is an avid listener, yeah. so we yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. He is a listener, I yeah. guess. In the Last Jedi episode, that was scarring <laughs> for me. Scarring for me. <laughs> well, for our Patreon, is any indication? Nobody. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but uh, from Dust Till Dawn, definitely uh, Quentin Tarantino and uh, George Clooney. Basically like an introduction for a lot of people to George Clooney after his role on ER, the TV show. Uh, basically, he came in as the cool guy, the badass. Like he was just gritty and uh, intro introduction to the whole movie. They hold up a, a convenience store, a.k.a. liquor store in uh, the desert and they have a woman in the trunk and Quentin Tarantino is playing a role of um, a very interesting character that has very high fondness for women of all types. <laughs> and uh, he imagines them saying things from time to time like, you know, I bet you'd like to eat my pussy. <laughs> Just randomly when they don't even say these things. And uh, George Clooney is his brother that has to keep him in check. <laughs> And George Clooney is a man that likes to just shoot people on sight, so you could imagine how that goes. <laughs> this this movie, I haven't seen it yet, but I can already tell it'd be my favorite movie. I mean, well, it's this, yeah, this yeah, this one this one had an impact on me as a as a young boy. Well, there we go. Okay, well, you were watching this. Yeah. As a young okay, boy. so uh, yep, yep. Let's uh, let's hear like um, any kind of input on it at all, or, uh, you know. I just this is another one of those ones that uh, gave me nightmares as a kid. Yep. Um, yeah, like. 
midway to this through this movie, like it turns into this crazy like supernatural vampire movie right like it's like what where this it kind of comes out of left field almost too right like yeah uh yeah and you're totally right like Clooney is just like he's like the guy who's got an answer to any situation nothing is phasing him he's just like oh fucking bar full of vampires okay let's uh let's shoot something let's, let's see what happens no no let's drink tequila first and shoot something there you go that's right <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. so that that's uh, one of them, and uh, so we'll just keep moving down the list. So, uh, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathom, uh, basically like a nineteen fifties sixties B movie monster movie, uh-huh. uh, very similar to uh, like a Black Scorpion, um, almost like a Harryhausen type of uh, product like production. Uh, just great, you know, anything that starts out in Antarctica. Uh, with a bunch of scientists trying to figure something out is always great for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the recipe for success. It's like the thing. 1982. Exactly. And uh, when you end up with a dragon tearing up uh, a large cityscape and killing a lot of people, it's always great. So, (laughs) Dragon or dragon? (laughs) It would be a dragon in this case. Dragon is too rare. And then uh, I'll just keep moving down the list. So uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid. So... Uh, you know, come on, like it's just <laughs> With a name like that. Just, just watch it, listener. Just go, just go just by it. Like my, I live my life by by a thing, and it is uh, what would Chuck Norris do? That's basically how I live my life, <laughs> and uh, it's always the noble route, you know. And in this case, like Chuck Norris just lays it down, and just uh, to narrow it down, in one scene, he gets captured by the cartel. And he, he's a sheriff, and he's an alcoholic, and he's divorced. So he's a regular sheriff. <laughs> he's in Texas. He's, <laughs> he's average Walker, sheriff. He's Walker, Texas Ranger, the college years. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's starting shit with cartels, and guess who's in it? But um, uh, David Carradine, uh, Kung Fu. Oh, that's amazing. Guy, and that's, that's who amazing. he has a face-off with in the, in the end. And uh, you can just imagine how that goes. But my favorite scene from it is when the cartel captures him in his uh, when he's trying to um, take down the, tar- the cartel. And they, they bury him in his uh, supercharged Ford Bronco, <laughs> which makes a whining sound when he takes off chasing criminals. They bury him in rocks in a ditch. And he literally drinks beer, cans of beer, and then he pours it all over himself. And then he hits the gas and the, the supercharger kicks in. And he takes off out of the ditch <laughs> and kills the entire cartel. So average sheriff. <laughs> average Texas sheriff. Oh, my goodness. One just, day on the Just job. a regular Tuesday in February. And then, uh, yeah, so I rounded up uh, my list with uh, Battle Royale. So this is a more of an international film. Uh, You know, it's a Japanese film, definitely subtitled. And uh, so, you know, I prefer to watch it, you know, definitely subtitles. And just a battle, just the origin of the Battle Royale phenomenon uh, that's going on right now in video games and so on. Um, Yeah, even for a time in movies. It's just amazing. And just, uh, you know, everything about it, just the way it's shot, the way the story's laid out. The dialogue, you don't you don't understand it, but when you're reading the subtitles and you just see the emoting of the characters, it's just great. And it's just, it's, it's a, it is a Japanese B-film, and it's a B-movie, and it's great. So. Is it as violent as its legend is? It's, uh, it's, I would say it's pretty damn violent. 
You know, I mean, like, it's not something where you're going to see gratuitous guts flying around and stuff like that. But just the psychological factor of it and and things like that, like just the way people get the way their story turns out and the way you thought it might turn out. And some of the characters, it's just it's a great movie. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Great picks all around. Um, Any on the list, Leland, you wanted to dig a little deeper into? I think we have a nice synopsis. Um, Yeah. I did have a question for you guys, though. So, okay, so is it, what's the correlation between B-movies and cult classics? Like, is it, is our B-movies just so much more inclined to become cult classics? I think they do because they have such a unique style. Yeah. So many of them that you get this subculture that grabs onto the style. That's right. And that way, if they have sequels and they're done decent enough, that subculture will continue to follow them. Right. right, right. A lot of Evil Dead, especially Evil Dead 2, 3, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Uh, basically, like my my idea of an ideal B, ideal B film, a B movie is uh, to uh, have some uh, a fan making a film, essentially, like somebody yeah. that's just somebody that just is inspired to make their vision no matter what you know so well and i mean i didn't know if this counted as a classic Mm -hmm. b movie but one of my all-time favorites is hobo with a shotgun oh god actually relatively (laughs) recent but that was fans they won a contest to make this movie i didn't know that and uh so obviously you've seen it oh you love it oh yeah it was great oh i one time i took a day off work i shit you not a vacation day years and years ago from one of my old jobs just to find a DVD copy of Hobo oh, with a Shotgun. Anything with like Rutger Hauer. Come on. Like. Rutger Hauer is so good. <laughs> yeah. He's not dead he's yet, is he? Around. Hopefully no, he's, he's not. not dead. Okay, he's thank not God. Dead. No, we need him around for Blade Runner 3. <laughs> That's good. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? Rutger Hauer was great in Hobo with a Shotgun. No, no problem there. But for T-HUD, as, us as a group, those of us who podcast and don't, um, we love the plague. Oh, Do you remember? oh, the plague is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Grinder. <laughs> you can have a full conversation with a guy who talks like wow, wow. <laughs> so, Grinder, what did you think of Dostoevsky's War and Peace? Wow. I agree. That narrative was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like grind a grindhouse movie is just automatically B movies. Um. I think they I think the legitimate grindhouse, that very short subculture that existed in the late two thousands, I think that was meant to be B movies. Right. Marketed or at least to, to emulate. To emulate. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think when you look at classic grindhouse, yeah. They're they're all oh, B movies. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, come on. <clears throat> That's just it's just guerrilla filmmaking and yeah. So B movie all the way and yeah. Black Dynamite's my daddy. Black Dynamite's my daddy. Dynamite's my daddy too. Yeah, I guess like it's just weird. Like the genre of like the um, B movie is just like this umbrella that encompasses so many genres, like so many sure. different offshoots of it. I guess they're just there's extensions of the same genre. Yeah, I think it's any movie that is not destined for a theatrical, like a major theatrical le- release for the most part, and it's not marketed mass. I think that. 
many of the B movies that we like so much were marketed for very specific audiences. But there have been uh, the cult classics that did have the, a big production. Have into, Let's just say yeah. like Dreamcatchers, for instance. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. this this is a movie that came out had a big production. Another Stephen King film. Yeah, exactly, and and it's cult Jacob's classic. Ladder. You know, one of my favorites, Jacob's Ladder. Oh, amazing. Spawn. Oh, okay, Silent well, one that comes to my mind as far as the low budget. Uh, definition of B movie is the first paranormal activity. Oh yeah, okay. that movie blew up. Yeah, and it grossed like thirty plus million dollars by the end of it. It was shot on a handheld. Sure. So is that a, is that a B movie? I would say yeah. Uh, production wise, yeah, I would say it was. It's a good question. Yeah, because um, yeah, and as its release came, it wasn't just released. Uh, it, as its success grew, it was released in more and more theaters. It wasn't like this spammed out, like, oh, we got a hit. We know we're going to make money. Let's put this everywhere. It was like, oh, well, we're making money. Let's put this in more places. It was a very uh, clever marketing campaign, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it cost the, the whatever studio was like 350000 bucks just to get the rights for it. So it's and one of the uh, highest grossing movies I just remember as that, far as rate of return goes. They emphasize the reactions of the theaters, of the people, the, the you know patrons watching it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was a clever marketing campaign for sure. It's, it's viral. Yeah. Sort of I think they did it correctly. But uh, what was the game? Boy, I think it was Dead Space 2 yeah. where their campaign was uh, a slogan along the lines of your mother would never play this or something. And they had reaction shots from quote unquote moms uh. watching portions of this. Maybe it wasn't Dead Space 2, but I'm sure that it was Dead Space 2. It was a video game. Uh, that was not a successful marketing maybe, campaign. Like, I, I just want to repeat you here, Leland. Maybe it was Dead Space 2. Maybe it wasn't Dead Space 2. I'm sure it was Dead Space 2. Listen, Moe, you should know after 34 episodes that Leland Steele only speaks in uncertain certainties. Okay. <laughs> Are like, you surely not sure about that? Uh, don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, one movie I want to ask if it's a B movie and if you guys like it. Yeah. This is a childhood favorite movie of mine. The Wizard starring Frank Savage. Not familiar, but uh, I mean, I mean, like, I, I know. I don't know what the hell I've is. seen the trailer, but I haven't seen the film. But I, I know it's it's a good movie. It's about a... It's Pretty much like Rain Man, but for kids. It's got like oh. a kid who's got mental illness. Hey, Fred, he saw Fred Savage, I mean. Fred Savage, yeah, main character. And it's all about this kid as a savant at video games. Oh, and uh, there are a couple. Oh, is that the movie that features the Nintendo Power Glove? Yes. Ah, that's okay. its most I've famous thing. Lucas, yeah. the kid's like oh, one yes. major role. Yeah, yeah, then he yeah. became a sex offender in real life. So he <laughs> never saw it. Oh, it's bad. It's bad news. But in that movie. When he was a kid, he was cool. And he's the power glove sucked in real life, but in that movie, he's so badass. He's like, I got the power glove. Wasn't Howie Mandel the bad guy? Howie Mandel was a bad guy, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I think he I think he Bobby's might be. World. <laughs> That's sure. funny. Uh, the game, the movie was very noti- notable for introducing was the first introduction of the world of Super Mario Brothers three, oh, which nice. is the very last game the kid plays uh. at a competition. And cool. Nintendo market that it was cool. It was cool. You see a lot of good footage from it. So um, that's one I'm going to bring for uh, Dragon to watch. A rare movie <laughs> I have that he doesn't. So. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like B movies uh, in general, they um, the genre of film typically is like horror or sci-fi, right? 
I think there's a, there's a if you look up the definition of B movie, there's a very distinct line between low budget and art house, um, which I think art house films, of course, lend more to the dramatic type of films, which for whatever reason excludes them from being under this B movie umbrella, which I don't know, but like. I guess those art house films, they're also catering to specific audiences, but are there films that any of you guys can think off the top of your head that are also cult classics that fall into the more art house side as opposed to the B-movies column? One major film, Drive with Ryan Gosling. Yep. You would classify that as an art house film? 100% an art house film Uh, that has become a cult classic. If you don't agree with us, because I could tell Dragon's agreeing with me, then you're alone. How are you defining art house? Anything with Brian Cranston. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay, so the, the, the latest Godzilla movie is an art house film? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, Power Rangers reboot was an art house film? <laughs> Anything with Brian Cranston in a serious role where he's brooding. Oh, okay, okay, right, right. So any 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 role for Cranston that isn't just a paycheck. Clearly, do you remember Power Rangers? We were we always joke about this. We we're in the most ideal circumstance to possibly enjoy a film. And we had so many Domino's pizzas. We had bottles of whiskey. Oh, we were, drunk. We were oh. drunk as all fuck on like an August day. My mom's house, I was house sitting. So we had a whole house to herself. Big screen TV. Like anything that could have made us happy to watch that film would have made yeah. us happy. And then we watch and we're like, this sucks. Power Rangers is the worst movie of 2010 through 2019. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it's very so it's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. anyways, uh, to your question, um, you know, I mean, like uh, for anything that might be considered a B movie that's uh, current, um, I don't know. You got your Polar that just came out in Netflix, and then Rampage yeah. is a monster movie. You know what I mean? But uh, Rampage isn't a B movie. Yeah, well, it's a monster movie. Okay, know? just because Rampage. Is balls mm. doesn't automatically put it into the B movies category, <laughs> I right? I gotta side with Leland on this one, specifically <laughs> okay. for Rampage. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh. And Polar, Polar is interesting. I watched Polar and I liked it. Yeah. Um, Mads Milkinson, or whatever the hell his Ooh, name is. Nice. Um, always a good choice to put in a role. Um, you know, except in. Don't say uh, Doctor one. Strange when Don't he's not utilized at all. Oh, Rogue One where he's barely utilized. So yeah, okay. They he certainly is uh, a la Brian Cranston used a lot for his name and name alone based on his cur- uh, late his, his recent success with the Hannibal TV series. Um, well, he's got a persona for sure. Yes, yes, he absolutely does. His brother plays Thrawn in. <laughs> In uh, Star Wars Rebels, that's just a random trivia. Oh, he voices voices, voices voices Ron. That's interesting. interesting. Um, so I don't know how can I don't know if Polar is a B movie. I mean, I know we're starting to split hairs here now. We're diving into just like randomly talking about movies and whether or not they're B or not. So Titanic, nineteen. But Polar is a Netflix original. How many <laughs> Netflix originals are B movies? Yeah, they have I've, the backing of Netflix. That's yeah. right. I guess so. This is probably a bunch of crap you could find. Well, and I, I think, I think now, like the the cinematic culture that is fostered these days. Um, They're starting to hit though. Russian Doll. There you go. 
Russian Doll is a great TV series. Yeah. Russian Doll is, I would highly recommend checking out Russian Doll. Um, Moby, I don't know if you even know anything about it, but I've it's, heard of it, it's like, it's a TV series. It's like, it's basically the Groundhog Day premise. Oh. Um, but they, unlike like in a movie, like with the Groundhog Day premise, the actual premise of Groundhog Day is not forgotten halfway through. Oh, good. Like, uh, like the one immediately comes to mind that, uh, Marlon Wayne's movie that came out a few years ago, um, where he wakes up every morning naked in an elevator and he's repeating this day. I forget what it's called. I think it's called Naked. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay movie, less less than average movie, but very quickly halfway through the, you know, from half midway point to the end of the movie, he's spent it's spent on one day. Whereas the first half of the movie you've seen like 20 of them as he's trial and erroring his way through. That makes no sense, but very smartly and intelligently written this series is that you you are always aware that these people are, are the main characters uh, are experiencing and going through this and shit could happen at fucking any time. Okay. Uh, highly yeah. recommend. Severe tangent but highly recommend that Netflix original TV series. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I don't know. Have we talked about this to death? What, what do, we, do we have anything else to add? I, I don't have anything else to add. I had a great time. Thank you guys for uh, having me as a guest. I appreciate it. it hey, great. It that's excellent. awesome. No, it was lovely to have yeah, you. So I guess I'll do the end of the show stuff. Um, if you like what we're doing and want to maybe check out some past episodes, our website is ttpopcast.com. Uh, we also have some very outdated written content that we're not keeping up on. Uh, there's also links to our Patreon page if you are so inclined to want to financially back us. I'd like to thank our first Patreoner, Bobby BB. Or, uh, right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Continuing. Vested at the shout out level, yeah. uh, along with him and 149 other Patreoners, which we just don't have time to get to right now, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We're on Facebook. We got a Facebook page that Moby manages and Instagram, which I like, take care of. I'm on Twitter. You can just search Leland Steele. And that's who I've been. And I've been Moby. And I'm Dragon. Thank you very much. Take care, <laughs> listener. Thanks, listener. Take care. Bye bye. Oh, and one last thing. We are, uh, will be migrating from our SoundCloud to uh, Podbean in the next couple of months. So if you listen on, you know, any app or iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, obviously you are unaffected. But if you do happen to listen directly uh, in SoundCloud, uh, not through our show notes, where for, through the player in our show notes, then you will be affected, so make sure to look for us uh, on the website with the the new player uh, under the Podbean RSSS feed. Once it's up and running, uh, that should be fully migrated um, April, April. So a couple months yet.